0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. My dear faithful, we all know that the the straightest distance between two lines, the shortest distance between two lines, is a straight line. Um, If you want to get from one point to another, the most direct and most efficient way to do so is to go in a straight line between point A and point B. And whenever we're traveling, we usually want to do so as efficiently as possible. For whatever reason, we want to arrive at that destination. That is our goal. That's the whole purpose for us traveling is we want to reach that point B. And so we look for the best path to travel so that we can get there as quickly as possible. Sometimes, however, we find that it's impossible to take that shortest route, that straight path. Um, We end up... Having to cha- take some sort of path that, that might go uh, to to a little bit out of the way of the d- direction in which we want to head, and it requires us to to travel a longer distance than we would normally take if we we were taking that straight path. And there's two reasons why we might be led to deviate from the straight path in order to have a shorter route. So somehow the 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 longer route is shorter in time for two reasons. One reason is that that the straight path might have obstacles on the way. You you might have, um, in in Colorado, a 14,000 foot mountain standing in your way. um, So that's not a good path to take. Or there might be a dense forest with dangerous animals if you're you're walking. Or there might be a a 100 mile lake that, that you would have to traverse if you took the straight path. And because of these obstacles, you choose to maybe go around the lake is going is to get you to your destination more quickly or to, to go through a valley that, that cuts through the mountain. Um, to find some other roundabout way will get you to your destination sooner. Another reason why the straight path might not be the, the most direct path is that the road on which you're traveling, the, the, the straight, there might be a straight road but that road is is rough. It's um, like full of gravel or a dirt road. You know, when you plug in your destination on Google Maps, sometimes Google Maps will route you uh, in a roundabout way. And you say, well, there's this other road that goes more directly to my destination. Why isn't it doing that? And what you discover is that that direct road is is a gravel road or it's a dirt road and you have to reduce your speed or perhaps it's full of traffic lights. And so you have this more roundabout way to get to your destination. The reason why I bring all of this up is that in in today's gospel, St. John the Baptist adopts the language of Isaiah for um, describing the preparation that is necessary for our Lord's coming. Um, He speaks to us about taking a journey. And the one who's taking the journey is not us. It is our Lord Jesus Christ. We know that that he's taking the journey in, in a sense that he's taking flesh. He's assuming a human nature. He's coming down on this earth. He's becoming incarnate in our world, this world that he has created. And we are meant to be like those construction workers on the highway who are working so hard to make a, a very smooth and straight path for you to get from point A to point B. Um, they get rid of the trees. you know. They, they blast through whatever rock formations might be there on, on, on that straight line. Um, they move immense amounts of dirt so that the, the road that is placed there will be as straight and as smooth as possible. We are meant to do the same thing in preparing for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We are meant to do exactly the same thing. Why is it that we can do this? Why is it that we have the capacity to prepare the way of the Lord, as St. John tells us to do in today's Gospel? It's because his destination is your soul. The reason why he's coming is he wants to come to your soul. He wants to unite himself to you. And because, well, you have control over your own life, you have the ability to prepare yourself for his coming. The preparation, the making straight the way of the Lord, above all, is making your own soul disposed to receive our Lord Jesus Christ on Christmas Day. You know that There are many obstacles on his path to our soul that could make his journey longer. Um, There there are various dispositions in our soul that prevent him from coming into us or perhaps from coming into us and uniting himself with us as much as he would like. St. John the Baptist indicates to the people of his own time and and therefore also to us what really the the main and sole obstacle is and that is our own sins. Because he was the the precursor, because he was given this mission by God to prepare the way of the Lord, he went about preaching a baptism of repentance. He said to them all, repent of your sins, change your life, Um, make this, this the Greek word was metanoia, Make, make this change of your life, and I'm going to give you a ritual, a baptism that you will undergo, you will go into the into the River Jordan. You First you will pledge yourself to repent of your sins, to change your life, and then you're going to go into the River Jordan, and I'm going to baptize you, and that will be the ritual signification that you pledge yourself to live a different life. You pledge yourself to give up these sins that you're attached to, and in this way, this was, this was the real way, the, 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 the effective, the true way for St. John the Baptist to prepare the people of his time for the coming of our Lord. And so, too, you, you who have this, this, this job during Advent, that's the whole point of the season, to prepare yourself for the coming of our Lord, you do it in exactly the same way, the way, the best way, the only way to prepare yourself for Christmas is for you to be detached from your sins, to repent of your sins. St. John the Baptist, he indicates to us what the Messiah will do when he comes, the influence that he will exercise on souls. And he uses two images by which he indicates that our Lord will set things right, that he will bring salvation to all flesh, in a certain sense. All flesh, he says, will see the salvation of the Lord. Not all flesh will receive the salvation of the Lord, but all flesh will see the salvation of the Lord. Some will accept. Some will not. The two images he uses are, again, this, this, as I mentioned, this image of of making a journey, of making a road straight. He says, every valley will be filled. Every mountain and hill will be made low. The crooked ways will be made straight, and the rough ways smooth. Well, if construction workers could do this, if they could if they could reduce mountains to to sea level, if they could fill valleys with, with that mountain dirt, then they can make absolutely straight, perfect roads. This is what our Lord is going to, to do. He's going to set everything right. These images really remind us so much of, of what our Lord says so often in his own preaching, he who exalts himself shall be humbled, and he who humbles himself shall be exalted. The image of of the mountain being leveled and the valley being filled indicates to us the work of our Lord on every soul. When every soul shall see the salvation of God, how is our Lord going to act with souls? How is our Lord going to act with your soul, with my soul, with every soul? What he's going to do is is he's going to take the prideful and he's going to lower them and he's going to take the humble and he's going to raise them. That's what he did in his own day. That's what he does today in, in our own world, even today in 2021. Think of what our Lord does to the prideful, those who are not willing to admit their sins and repent of them. Think of the proud rulers of this world. You think they're so smart and the decisions that they make for keeping people healthy or protecting people um, while they live their lives ignoring God. How often do they make fools of themselves and are humbled? Think of all those well, they're not humbled unfortunately, but, but they, they are humbled objectively, not subjectively. Think of all those people who lead sinful lives and not caring what God wants them to do with their lives. It's like I'm going to live my own life. I'm going to ignore the fact that I have a creator and I'm called to a supernatural goal. And how they get up so upset when anyone points out to them that they are sinning. So they continue on their destructive path to their own ruling. Our Lord is going to humble them. Our Lord is going to humble them. All flesh will see the salvation of God. Everyone will be involved, willingly or unwillingly, everyone, because he is the God of all. It will take place partially during this life, as I've mentioned. Already these people are humbled. These these people, even though they will not accept the humiliation, they are lowered by their foolish pursuits. But it will take place fully at the Last Judgment. And it's interesting that the epistle today of Saint Paul refers to this last judgment. And even even Saint John the Baptist, if you continue reading this gospel, the rest of chapter three of, of Saint Luke, he too refers to the last judgment, you brood of vipers, who has taught you to flee from the wrath that is to come at the last judgment. But Saint Paul refers to this last judgment in today's epistle when he says, God will illuminate the secret places of darkness and will reveal thoughts of hearts. This is what's coming for all of us, for everybody in the world, the rulers of the world, the most lowly people of the world. God is going to reveal at the last judgment our intentions, our thoughts, our dispositions. And if we're ashamed to be seen doing certain things that we do in secret, we don't want people to see how shameful it will be for us on that day. Whatever pride we have exercised in this life, whatever dispositions we have towards other people, perhaps those hidden dispositions, those thoughts that are going on, or those movements, those movements of our soul that we're not trying to correct and direct towards the good, but we're just letting them go. We're just letting our fallen nature drive. All those things will be revealed one day at the last judgment. May we not be humbled on that day. May we repent right now of our sins. May we already, every time we have those those movements in our soul, try to correct ourselves, lest we have to wait to the final judgment to be corrected. Meanwhile, as they say, those who humble themselves will be exalted. Those are the souls who engage in that spiritual combat that I've just been talking about. Isn't that where the main battle takes place? In your own interior. In the depths of your own heart. This is what Solzhenitsyn says. that The, the line between good and evil is not really out there in the world. Really the line between e- good and evil is right here in your own heart. You draw the line. And so it's so important for us to be sensitive to our own sense to repent of our faults as soon as we become aware of them to be happy to be corrected by others to be told this is not right you shouldn't behave in this way this is very good for us to be just very frank and straightforward in our confessions just to say this father this is this is what i did i was i was prideful or i was angry because i'm selfish i'm a selfish person or whatever we just confess our sins humbly and frankly, as as we see them, we're honest with ourselves. It's these souls that when, when our Lord comes, he's able to enter into them and lift them up, raise them to the supernatural level, and prepare them for eternal happiness in heaven. Even in this life, God exalts such souls. Such souls are respected more by the people around them, We ourselves, we respect people who are unselfish more than we respect selfish people. If you know selfish people, you you, you don't respect them as much as unselfish people. God exalts the humble as well in that the humble are able to attain a great peace of soul in this life because their souls are oriented to higher things. They have their priorities straight. and No matter what other people... Uh, or what, what, what sort of evil or chaos is going on in the world around them, they themselves are at peace. They're not living in a state of constant disturbance. And then it's a striking thing that, that those who have this humility, this true humility, not a false humility, but a true humility, they have an incredible strength more than, than other people because of the fact that they're always able to pursue their, their goals in this life. They know what their goal is, they know where they're headed, and they're always able to accomplish what they what they want to do in this life. And this is an incredible, it gives an incredible strength to someone to say, I'm pursuing a supernatural goal in this life, and no matter what happens to me, if, if I suffer, if I'm joyful, if things are going well, if things are going badly, nothing can keep me from pursuing this supernatural goal. I can always be journeying towards heaven. And of course, in the next life, on the day of their judgment, the humble will get praised by God Himself. Well done, good and faithful servant. And He will give them eternal an eternal glory that far exceeds any fame or glory they could, they could have attained here below. So, my dear people, this is this is just this, these statements of St. John the Baptist today in today's gospel are simply um, a statement of the way that God acts towards human beings in his divine providence. To those who humble themselves and repent of their sins, he comes to them and he elevates them above their natural condition. He infuses in their souls supernatural grace, gives them the capacity to perform supernatural activities, acts of faith, hope, and charity and pursue their true goal to attain that eternal reward. Whereas those who do not want to prepare their souls for the coming of God, those who immerse themselves in material things and a sinful way of life, He does not come. He does not come. They have not prepared the way of the Lord. There is no path for our Lord to travel to them, to get to them. He cannot reach His intended destination, which which is, as they say, their soul. And so he leaves them in their fallen human condition. He allows them to continue on their crooked path of self-destruction. It's a very sad outcome indeed. So this is why it's so important for us um, in these last few days of, of the Advent season to get ready for the coming of Christ by purifying our souls from sin and by repenting. Um, we, When he comes, we, we want to be able to be with him. We want to be among those few who actually make it to Bethlehem. You know, when he came, uh, everybody was partying. They were having a good time in the town of Bethlehem. They they were not um, looking for God himself to be in some humble cave off the beaten track. Above all, this time, we we must ask Our Lady to, to teach us her own humility in these last few days before Christmas. It's so striking that when she herself teaches us about the providence of God, when she herself speaks to us about how God acts, and she rejoices in the way God acts, she precisely wants to point out this fact that he delights in exalting the humble and putting down the pride. You remember these words. You know these words that, that hopefully you pray from time to time. His mercy is from generation to generation on those who fear him. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent empty away. This is what God did for Our Lady. This is what he will do for us if we prepare well for Christmas Day. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen.